Good morning, good morning. Kiddos, we're glad you could come in for a little bit. It got way more exciting, didn't you? Felt the energy go up. We are so glad you're here. What a great song that new song was. You know how to never fall away from the Lord, how to stay out of depression and all those things? Never get over being saved. Never get over the salvation through Jesus Christ, and you'll be just fine in life. Amen? Amen. My wife has the announcements. All right. Well, we have coming up our Volunteer Appreciation Month and therefore dinner. So this is our third annual August where we just focus on volunteers and thanking you all throughout the month, highlighting some of you. And then at the end of the month, so it'll be August 30th at 6 o'clock, we have a big nice dinner. So this is for anyone who volunteers in foundations in any capacity. And then we also have something fun for the kids during that time so that you guys can come and just not worry about your kids and they always have a blast. So mark your calendars. August 30th, all volunteers, we want to see you there. And if you're not a volunteer, then you can start volunteering before, and then you're invited. Yeah. We can put you to work. We want to see you here, right? Yes. Here, yeah. Exactly. All right. Also, we have a fun family movie night coming up. So this is for kids, and this is a great opportunity for you to invite visitors and neighbors. And so this is a family event that Michelle puts on. So this is August 9th at 6.30. We're going to come and just have a good time. So mark your calendars for that as well. And then all the kids, we know that you're in here because we have a great video to show of your camp. So let's roll that. That was just a little snapshot of camp that you make possible. We love the local church and what God's doing in it. All right, Eloise, come up. She's going to give a testimony about camp. Go ahead. I didn't get to participate because I was working, but I did bring a whole bunch of kids. Uh, I have a, a, an Amada, and it, I think it was full of kids. And when I came by, I felt like I had a church bus, you know. I, one of the kids I brought was uh, a friend of mine's great-grandkids. And uh, the little boy is five years old, and he went home, and he told his grandmother 
your great-grandmother. He said, Nanny, he said, do you know who's my best friend? And she said, who? He said, God. She said, well, that's great. Go tell Papa. So when he got to Papa, he said, she said, who's your best friend? He said, Jesus. And he said, you know what, Papa? Jesus died on the cross for me. And then he's added on all week. He said, and you know, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven, and I'm going to meet Jesus. You know, this is something that you think the art class, and they're just doing art. But God, guys, they brought the plan. He brought the plan. This little boy never heard this. He's five years old. You know, we, we, we take it for granted, our kids, you know, and they are religious, okay? But he never heard this. So there's a difference between religion and salvation. Amen. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, Michelle. Thank you, That's right. Pastor, for everything y'all did. This, this has made a change in that whole family. No, thank you. And she did bring a crew. She didn't work, but what she did was mobilize a half a dozen and brought them. So actually multiplied yourself times six. Kids, thank you so much for coming. You can go back to your class. Yeah, we teach salvation here through the power of the cross. Amen. Y'all can head on back, kids. It's real. It's live. Y'all didn't hear that. I'll let them leave. The front row heard that. That's why they're laughing. Hey, we don't pull any punches. They came in and sit down and said, all we did was sit. <laughs> what are we doing in here? Give me a purpose. Give me some motivation. <laughs> And one last announcement, uh, we just finished a new members class with our new members, and I'd like for them to come up. We always pray for the new members. They went through growth track. They uh, officially signed, said, look, we want to be members of the church. We feel like God has brought us here. So can you guys come on up? Come on up, new members. Give them a hand. Praise God. He's blessing us. Amen. He's blessing us. It's good. Now, ask a couple of you guys if you want to share, uh, what, why did you decide to become members of the church? Who is that? We'll start right here. Uh, we've been part of one church for a very long time, uh, from the very beginning. And when that church finally closed, we started looking for a home. And, and we didn't know exactly where we were going to go. We didn't know what we were going to do. Uh, all we knew is that we, we needed Jesus back in our life, which he never should have left. But you have to understand that a body and, and people and, and coming together as a community and, and, uh, and fellowship, you know, it means a lot in someone's walk, uh, especially mine and my wife's. And, and, and we really needed a place. So we went to several different churches and, and we just we couldn't figure out where God wanted us. And. I started thinking back, and next thing you know, I'm like, uh, you know, uh, I, had a, I had a pretty good part in this place. And I said, and I like Stephen. I said, let's just check it out. So we checked it out. I went back to my original pastor and said, look, uh, I need you to release me. I need your blessing. I need you to let me know what's happening and, and what to do, you know, <laughs> help me here, you know. And, and he, uh, he gave me his blessing and told me this is a great place. And We've came and we've met a lot of new faces and a bunch of familiar ones. And, uh, and I know that God's moving in this place. If he wasn't moving here, you know, I, I wouldn't be here. You know, I'm looking for Jesus. I want Jesus. I want God to come back into our life, back into our relationship uh, with our family and our new baby. And we're just so blessed to be able to have found a place as wonderful as Foundations. And we look forward to being a part of it in the future. Amen. Amen. God's going to answer that prayer right here. Here we go. I'm going to be quick. 
Yes, sir. By comparison. Um, I, I, we decided to stay here as a family mostly because they let me make as many mistakes as I want on the guitar. Um, so that, that means a lot. No, um, when we left our last church, we went into kind of a void and didn't attend anywhere. And, and my kids actually said, what have we forgotten about God? Which broke my heart. So when I got a divine appointment to come here and play guitar, um, it was just as a fill-in. It was just, but then I went to lunch with the pastor. And when I heard him talk about putting people where they belong, to, to plug them in where they're really going to grow, it just really impressed me. And I knew that this was a place that, as a family, we would grow. But not just that, but individuals, we would get plugged in here. And so I was really excited to stay. Amen. Amen. All right. Oh, you two. We had one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> the drummer always gets left out. Huh? <laughs> I knew there was one. I couldn't remember. We, we prepped um, this. All right. We're, we're professionals. So, you know, Eddie said familiar faces. We were invited here by Drew LeCompte um, after we left the church that we were at, and we were unchurched for a while. We kind of bounced around. I played drums here and there at um, different churches, but never felt um, called or led to be there. There were several, I don't know, several requirements that we kind of have um, when we decide to commit to something. Um, Drew invited us. We came once, and it, w it was great. We saw a pastor at uh, Costco one day and just kind of started talking to him, and it was like we had been coming to church here even though we were only here for one service. And then I got invited here to play drums as a guest by someone who doesn't even come to this church. Um, one of the guests worship leaders uh, blue you send me their name i'll send them a thing blue blue blue, <laughs> blue invited me to come play and then I, I played and i started to get invited back by heather and the reason we're still here is the teaching um one reason we don't stick around at other churches is a lot of the messages feel like they're canned and they don't feel genuine in fact, at one church we were at, the message was coming across, and I just got on my phone and did sermon search for this topic, and I was able to follow the pastor's message off of a Google search. Um, it just didn't feel genuine. Here, pastor teaches, and he teaches the history, and he gives us a lesson, and that's, that's what I need, and that's why we're here. It's because of you. So well, praise God. And blue. <laughs> And ministries that get people involved. This is a lot of worship stuff. Well, praise God. Y'all stay up here. We're going to pray for them. Before we do, let me reach back here. All of you who are members, you know, you do that growth track. Most of you have done that before. And, you know, we do the 101, 201, 301. We do personality tests and spiritual gifts tests. And y'all all have one of these just like them. And this is just uh, something we do as a tool to get you involved in the right ministry. But uh, on Monday this week, I was looking at this one. And Natalie, uh, your spiritual gift is healing and discernment. And uh, you are a nurse practitioner, right? It's you've always wanted to help and heal and all those things. So, you know, spiritual gifts, they, they don't work independently all by themselves. I want you to think about cogs in a wheel. Because Natalie has discernment, she can walk into a situation just like a natural doctor. But this is spiritually discerned. It's nothing you can learn here on this planet. I don't care if you go to Harvard. You can walk into a situation, and because you're a Christian, the Spirit of God lives on the inside of you. You can discern what's going on, and you can either speak words that will bring healing, and those two gifts work just like a perfect cog in a perfect machine. 
Just like God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit work perfectly in perfect unison. It's the same way. Now, I don't, I don't uh, bring this up for no reason. I want you to look at this scripture right here in Isaiah 50. Uh, now that this is your scripture, we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for the whole group. Isaiah 54, this is what it says. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. Uh, uh, Mike, lay hands on your wife. Y'all all, of, let's just pray for now. We're going to pray for her together. This is what the Lord showed me, Natalie, about you. You have, from the, for years and years, you have desired healing. But physical healing has been unsatisfactory, especially as of late. You are gifted. You are full-time in the medical field. But you long and yearn for spiritual healing. You long and you yearn to see God heal what mankind cannot. The soul of man. The emotions of men and women. You long for that. And the Lord would say to you this. I will bring people to you. And I will send you to people and you will discern and speak my words and it will go far beyond physical healing. You will speak to the very soul by the spirit of God into the brokenness that they are into the weariness. They're about to faint and you will revive them because I have gifted you with discernment and I have gifted you with healing. I have gifted you with discernment and I have gifted you with healing. They will work hand in hand. You have asked for it. You have prayed for it. And know this, your own scars will testify to the healing power of Jesus Christ. Your own scars will proclaim that he is a healing God and nothing is too hard for him. Let it be, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Now lift your, your hands toward this entire group. What a blessing they are. Father, we thank you for these members. God, we thank you for what you're doing in their life. We thank you, Lord, for the, the gifts they have. We thank you that above all, you are growing them closer to you. It's about you, you, and you. This church just may be a tool. It may just be a place for it, but it's about you. So you're growing marriages closer, families closer. You're discipling people. I thank you that through this this church, Lord, these men and women are going to be discipled. They're going to grow like never before in their gifting and in their ministry. And we thank you for it in the name above all names. We love them in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen and amen. God bless them. Give them a hand. All right. We always honor the word here, don't we? Now, your notes look a little different this week, don't they? If you say, no, I didn't notice, you have not been paying attention. And not my feelings are hurt. I'm going to deal with my offense later. They're blank for a reason. Let me tell you, you know, God's, God is not a God who just saves 20 years ago and then leaves us. That's not the heavenly father. He fathers us every day of our life. He fathers us. He fathers us. Let me tell you what happened to me this week. So on Monday, you know, I had Sunday service. is a good service. Monday I came in and I, I try to spend more time. I can't think about a lot of logistics or, or study and things. So I just, it's more of a prayer time and stuff. So on Monday I was praying and, you know, the Lord just, 
uh, begin to push me and direct me. I'm like, Lord, you want to do something different this week or what or me or whatever? And on Tuesday, everything always gets clear. Just give it time. You just want to give it time and with the Lord and he'll make it real clear. So on Tuesday, I come and I'm praying and the Lord brings me back to a conversation I had with Taylor a couple weeks ago. Where are you, Taylor? No, there he is right there. So we are, I try to be a planner. When I speak, I speak in series, right? I teach line upon line, verse upon verse. Um, somebody said that, that that's what God's called me to do. That's what God's called the church to do. That's the norm. I think that's the best. I've, you know, some people speak differently, but that's the way I think it is, we, that you learn the best and you're discipled the best. So what happened a couple weeks ago was I was having lunch with Taylor and I said, okay, this is the series we're doing in, in season. It ends in two weeks. I'm going to start this new series on building healthy relationships. And I said, you know, we haven't done a book study in a long time. I'm going to do it on Philemon or Philemon. One, the book in the Bible, if you don't know, it's one page. That's it. One page. This is large print, and it's barely a page, right? So I'm sitting there with him, and I'm talking to him. I said, I think I can make this three weeks. I said, I don't think I could do, make this four weeks. I just don't have it in me to do to make it a four-week series. I mean, it's one page, guys, right? It's one page. But I could do three weeks. So on Tuesday, the Lord brings me back to that conversation two weeks earlier. And the Lord says, Stephen, when did this become about you? Now, please understand, if you interpret that through a fallen father or incorrect, incorrect perspective, it sounds bad. The Lord didn't come to me like maybe you had a bad father or, an, or, or an, uh, just a bad authority and say, what's wrong with you? You should be smarter than that, immature child. Don't you know better? That's the farthest from the truth. That's the farthest from the truth. He didn't come to me and say, this is not about you. You, lost, you dropped the ball again. No, no, no. He's the father. And everything out of his mouth is perfect love. It's done for one reason, to draw us to himself, to fix and repair us, to make us more like his son. His name is Jesus. So... I got convicted, but it wasn't mean. It wasn't harsh. It wasn't like, go to your room. It was like, Stephen, hey, come here. Listen, it's not about you. If you make it about you, you always shortchange yourself. You always think you can't do it. You'll always be three weeks. Well, if I can get four or five verses, I can really put something together. The Lord says, Stephen, I've got so much more for you. Come, come with me. So... I came in here just like this. I opened this Bible to Philemon. And I just started looking at Philemon, chapter 1. That's only one chapter, verse 1. And the Lord began to open up the word to me. And I'm going to just speak to you about what the Lord showed me this week. And then he's going to do a work in you. But before we can go any farther, we all have to surrender to God. The Lord only works the great physician in one kind of mode, in one kind of culture. And that's the culture of surrender. Amen. The Lord doesn't move and fix without surrender. So I, we're going to pray and let's surrender to the Lord fully. And you in your heart, 
Don't say I will, Lord, but don't. He knows. I don't. He does. But let's surrender to him. Amen. Lord, right now we come to you as a body, individually, as couples, as families, and we surrender. You're the perfect heavenly father. And when you want to speak to us, it's so perfect. It's designed to draw us closer to you. It's designed to sanctify us and pull us to you and heal us. And we thank you that your word is going to speak today and you're going to heal and you're going to move in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So this is our one scripture. Put it up on the screen right there. You know this is the Lord because remember last time when I got off on my notes and I about fell apart? I had two pages. The first page was printed twice, and I didn't have the second part of my notes, and I was like, <laughs> I just want to talk to you about what the Lord showed me and, and did in me this week. It's just moving in me. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer. Let me just quickly, if you know everything about this small book, fine, but let's get everyone on the same page. Paul is under house arrest in Rome, and he's writing. He's writing on behalf of Onesimus, a a runaway slave, who was with a godly man, a godly family. Don't let the word slave sound horrible, and it is horrible, but it's not the slave like in our history. What happened was Onesimus would have been in a lot of debt and sold into this to pay off his debt. So he's like an indentured servant to Philemon who is a godly man, beloved friend and fellow laborer. Paul, this is a man of God Paul's writing to. So he's saying, look, Philemon got saved under me. I'm sending him back. Whatever he owes you, put it on my account. And he's your brother now. And this is a horrible, it's a money issue. It's a relationship issue. It's all these things. But God's going to fix this. This is what this book is about. This book is closely connected to the book of Colossians. In fact, Onesimus is mentioned in Colossians. And where it's writing to, where uh, Philemon lives, is in Colosh, that area. So just so we all understand. But the, because I thought, if I can just squeeze three weeks, and the Lord said, Stephen, I'm going to show you a better way. Let's look at this. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Now, how does Paul end up in Rome under house arrest? And he writes multiple books there about the two years he's there. Where you got to find that answer, go back to uh, Acts 23 and 24. He's in Jerusalem, he's preaching in the temple, and a hullabaloo. Okay, that's not in the Bible. That's my interpretation. He's preaching Jesus, he's talking about his testimony, and everything's doing good until he really gets in his testimony and say, God has spoken to me and changed my life. Then the Jews blow up on him. In fact, it becomes violent, and they're going to kill. They're going to kill Paul. The Romans come in, they take him out. The Jews have plotted to kill him and lied to the Romans. They were going to get together and fix this, but the Jews have plotted to kill him. They find out the plot. They go tell the Roman guard. The Roman guard says, okay, get me two centurions and his hundred men. Get me, get me 70 horses, men on horses, and a bunch of men with spears. Put Paul in the middle and get him out of this city. So he goes to... So all this happens. He's abused in Jerusalem by his own people. Um, he's, he's falsely arrested. He's sent off to Felix, the governor. He's um, with Felix, the governor, to try to get you know, justice because he's a Roman citizen. That's how all this starts. He's a Roman citizen. So the guards are like, I ain't touching this thing. Just send him off to Felix. Felix procrastinates. Felix won't give him justice. I can't deal with this. Send him off to Rome. Rome puts him on the back burner. Rome puts him under house arrest. For two years, he's waiting on justice. But he's not a prisoner of Rome. And he's not a prisoner 
and a victim of the Jews. And he's not been abused and mishandled and life was too difficult and too hard and it's their fault and that fault and the government's fault. No. Paul says, I want to tell you something. There's only one person who's holding me here. I'm a prisoner of who? Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. And the Lord told me on Tuesday that you have dis that we have, excuse me, dysfunctional relationships. And you focus on Rome. And it's the Jews' fault. And it's mom's fault. And it's dad's fault. And it's the culture's fault. Save our Savior Jesus Christ. I would put Paul's abuses right up there with Job's. Right? In fact, it was prophesied when he gets saved, I'm going to show you how many things you must suffer for my name. Is that right? I would put Paul's difficulties right up there with Job. But he says, I want to tell you something. I am a prisoner of Jesus Christ and him alone. Not Rome, not anyone else has put me here. I don't look at anyone else. I don't worry about anyone else. I don't worry about my own countrymen. Stab me in the back. Abuse me, misuse me right at home like a church or anything else. These are the Jews. He was a Pharisee. They tried to kill him in Jerusalem, the Mecca of spirituality. And they tried to kill him for preaching Christ. The rejection in his heart, his entire identity of a Jew was attacked. Think about that. But that did not bind him. He was not in bondage. He was as free as he could be because he was a prisoner of Jesus Christ. If you were in bondage because of past, because of hurts, God wants to fix that. And he did it in Paul and he'll do it in you. So the Lord began to just open up the word. I'm going to tell you, when the Lord spoke this to me, I looked at this, I thought, you got to be kidding me. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ and Timothy, his brother. You want me to find a point in there? There's no way. I don't think Billy Graham could do that. But the Lord says, Stephen, see, it's not about you. Come here. Come here, I love you. It's what I called you to do. Let me, let me show you a better way. Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother. And Timothy, our brother. Well, that's nice. That just makes us kumbaya and feel all good. Now, let me ask you a question. Is that what he always called Timothy? And Timothy, our brother. Is that what he always called him? Let's look at 1 Timothy and find out. This is 1 Timothy chapter 1, 1 and 2. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the command of God, our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. Verse 2. To Timothy, a what? A true son. A true son in the faith, but a son. Grace, mercy, and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a true son. He's a true Christian. He has given his life to Jesus. He's encountered God. Come on. Amen, Christians. Come on. Christ's followers under the blood. Amen. But he's not a brother. See, in this culture, remember, a son didn't even have the rights until he became older in inheritance. The, the, 
the, the hierarchy worked all up here. This is all the authority. This is all the maturity. The children were sub. We got, we were di- opposite in our, in our Western culture. We exalt the children first. It was a total opposite. I'm not saying one's totally right or one's totally wrong. It's by degrees. But in this culture, the son was back here. Now, he will eventually, if hopefully by the grace of God, mature. So he, in the, in the first one, he's a um, true son in the faith. Now, watch 2 Timothy. We just read 1 Timothy. Look at 2 Timothy. The second letter, Paul is writing to his son. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of of life which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, not only now is he a true son, oh, now he's a beloved son. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Something's happening to Timothy. God is doing something in Timothy. God is moving in Timothy. And maybe Paul has a part in it, but I'm going to tell you it's not because of Paul. It's not because of Paul that Timothy is there. It's not because of Paul only. Paul gets to the great honor of cultivating and discipling. But this true son is now a beloved son. And now when we read in Philemon 1.1, what is he now? He's a brother. The Lord opened up the word again. And said, you've got relationships that are dysfunctional. And you're here. And they're way back there. You speak a different language. You're in a different culture. It's all different. And you can't make someone a brother. Oh, Paul had to hope and pray, right? He he didn't have a guarantee. He didn't know that Timothy would mature enough through his tears. Sorry, frequent tears through his stress and anxiety so bad he had stomach problems. And Paul says, just take a little wine. Goodness, you can barely function. He didn't know that God would move him from a true son to a beloved son to say, I want to tell you something about Timothy. God has moved in his life, and he is right here with me. He's a true brother. You've got relationships that you are functioning in two different spheres. And God says he wants to bring you side by side, arm in arm. And you're true brothers, sisters, that your marriage, you're right here, that you're not functioning in two different cultures, time zones and maturity levels. Right. Is there a big difference between a child and an adult? Amen. Amen. And God says, I'm going to change the season and I will move you and put you right here. Amen. And Timothy, our true, to, excuse me, and Timothy, our brother. To Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer. Now remember, uh, let me back up with history a little bit. This book struggled not because of biblical inerrancy, not because of they struggle with the uh, author that it was written by Paul, but when they canonized the Bible and put it together, some people threw some red flags up on this thing because it was so personal, it was less theological, and it was about people and relationships. But as always, the spirit of the living God won out. 
And his book is exactly the way he wants it. Not because of Constantinople, not because of the Nicene, uh, the, the four early ecumenical councils, not because of the Nicene Creed. We must focus and understand this book. This book is the way it is because the God of the universe wanted it like this. Amen? Don't rely on any man. Man came under the will of God and produced it. But this is like this, by the will of God. That's why I have confidence in it above anything else. Amen? But this is tough. We're going to talk to Philom about money. Look, and he owes you anything. I know he's a runaway slave. In fact, I know he stole from you. You bought him on the up and up. Y'all had a deal. He's going to work and he's going to pay off this debt. But he said, I ain't dealing with this. Philemon's a man of God. The cult, the, 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 where he was, the house he was in, couldn't have been that bad. The issue was Onesimus. He wasn't saved. He was acting like a heathen because he didn't know Jesus. So he steals, he lies, and he takes off. But God's after Onesimus. That's how he gets saved under Paul's ministry. So he says, I want to tell you something, Philemon. You're our beloved friend and a fellow laborer. Now listen to me, church. You can handle any problem. You can handle any marriage problem. You can handle any relational problem in this church. If we will line up and say, look, we are beloved friends and faithful laborers. We're beloved friends. I have encountered God together. We love each other. We are lined up. And Paul had overwhelming confidence, even though this was a tough subject, multiple difficulties. Paul said, I've got full confidence. You read the end of the book that you're going to do this and more, he says, because you're a faithful brother. And God's going to put us all right here. So the Lord just opened this up to me. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of stuff in there. Lord, I, I never saw that. I didn't understand that. And the Lord says, yes, even don't make this about you. The reason we struggle is we turn in and we say, I'm no good. Or it's too lost. Or my background's too bad. Or I'm not good at this. God says, don't do that. You're mine. And when I pull you close, I'll fix it all. Amen. Let me pull this together with a story and the way this happened for me. So Tuesday morning, I, um, I went and had breakfast with my dad. So it's been a wonderful five years almost moving back here. And I, have, I say this by permission. I asked my father. My father didn't grow up in a Christian home. He didn't know the name of Jesus. His mother was a ward of the state. His father died at a very young age. My dad has hardly any memories of his father at all. He, they remarried. They ended up moving to Arkansas. His mother was Jehovah's Witness. It was total dysfunction. It was total dysfunction. My dad joined the military. They almost kind of um, uh, uh, not abandoned. They rejected him because of their, the false religion that they were in. And so my dad knew nothing but dysfunction. Spiritual matters were very far from him. And so it plagued him, even, you know, his first marriage with my mother, that didn't work. But God's grace was there, and three kids later, and here we are. I bring all this together to say, on Tuesday morning, we're eating breakfast. He picked me up, I dropped my truck off. I said, Dad, where do you want to go? He said, you want to go to Waffle House right here? We're in our beer. No, 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 we're going to go to Victor's. Like, Come on, let's go get something good. So we went and ate breakfast, and we talked about five things. We talked about five things. 
Number one, we talked about food. Come on, what y'all think number one would be? Come on. <laughs> Come on. We're guys. You're sitting eating bacon. It's this thick. We talked about food. Number two, we talked about campers and RVing because my dad's retired, and that's what he's doing. So I, you talk about your work, whatever season of life you're in. I talk about kids all the time, not because I want to. It's just always in my face, right here all the time. <laughs> that was not the Lord. Okay, I, I'm on. That, stricken that, that was not the Lord. Number two, we talked about RVing. Number three, that bled into camping. So, oh, RVing. Let's see if we can go camping. I'm gonna, I'm gonna cash in on this RV. <laughs> yeah. Number four, we talked about basketball. My dad used to play basketball. He was a good basketball player, and I played. That was good. This is new for us. We're learning. It's been a wonderful five years being home. But if that's all we had talked about, we would have prayed for our food, said, love you, Dad, and bye. But for the first time recently, God has been moving. He has been taking dysfunction and fixing it. He has been taking dislocation and realigning it. And I said, Dad, let me tell you what God's doing in my life. And then my dad says, Stephen, I want to tell you what God is speaking to me. Let me tell you what it's about. And this is what the Lord brought me to. We talk about the four things all the time. But if you want to have function, if you want to change your life and your family and your home and your culture, there has to be number five. You have to say, Dad, this is what God's speaking to me. This is what I'm dealing with. Dad, what is God speaking to you? He told me about how he went RVing and they went to a church and God touched his back and he's been able to walk four times as long as he did before. He had made his major back problems. He talked to him about how he's been, we've been working through the one-year Bible and been doing it more than once, and it's really grown me, and this is what God's doing. And in the morning, we have our coffee and our word. You see, that is what changes everything. Paul said, this is a friend, a beloved friend. It's a fellow laborer. What do you think he's talking about? He's talking about someone who knows Jesus and talks about the things of God regularly. Amen? And the missing ingredient in your relationships is this. You know, we have that, I've got mouthwash, that stuff that'll make you cry in 15 minutes, or 15 seconds, excuse me. That super strong mouthwash, yeah. Okay. So, if you look on the back of that thing, it says active ingredients. Do you know they're like one and a half percent of what's in that bottle? It's mostly just water and blue dye or green dye, whatever, right? To talk about life without the things of God, it's nothing but water and blue dye. The active ingredient that changes, that opens up the Word of God, the Spirit of God, that is what God wants. And that's what God wants for you. And that's what God's just doing in me. Amen? And that's what God wants to do in us. You have dysfunctional relationships. It may be people sitting in this room, and it may be people out of this room. They are disjointed. And if you have a break, a clean break or hairline fracture, you don't do anything to it. 
You put it in a cast and you leave it alone, immobilize it. It'll heal, right? As long as it's not a compound or something. That's not the case with a disjoint, if it's dislocated, right? Even if it's my pinky finger. If it's dislocated, I've got to go to an outside source who knows more than me to fix that thing and put it in place. Amen? God wants to do that. There's a grace here today for that. Dad, will you come up? Stand to your feet, everybody. Dad's going to come up and just so y'all understand that he had none of this growing up, but God's doing it at almost 59 and holding. No, I'm joking. He's older than that. Almost seven. Yeah. In us. You need to have faith. That there is nothing lost with God. You have given up on things. It'll always be like this. It'll never change. Absolutely not. He calls those things that are not as though they were. And you don't speak contrary to God. Amen. So this is what we're going to do. You just keep your eyes up. If there's anyone here who says, I've got dysfunctional relationships. I need, I, and it's not like God's saying, cut them off. It's not like saying, you know, I, I shouldn't be hanging out with them. It's family members. It's close relationships. And y'all trying to walk around trying to do stuff and you're just disconnected. You're in two different places. God wants to touch that and he'll do it today. If that's you, let's just come up in the front. Just come up. If that's you, just come up. It may be family members, friends, come up, come up, come up. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's come to Jesus together. I mentioned that this is what the Lord's doing in me. Amen. In me. Because I'm learning this, too. Me and Megan are learning this. I came home and said, babe, our house is in a home of peace. We're aggravated all the time at someone. The kids are fighting always. What do we do? I said, Lord, what do I do? I said, I'm going to change it. I'm going to start a new season. I'm going to start moving. Come on, let's come to the Lord. Let's all come to the Lord together. Put on some music or whatever so we can focus. Thank you, Lord. Let's just come to Him. Kellen, some of our leaders, I'm going to pray and God's going God's to just touch you. Just bring it to the Lord right now. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. My dad's got great faith to pray for this. Because God's done it in his life and in my life. I have great faith to know that it doesn't matter how bad it is. It doesn't matter what, whatever the sin of the world was or the sin of the past. God fixes it. He heals it. He restores it. And all it is is praise and glory to his name. So here we are, Lord. We all come to you. We got problems. We got but Lord we're not going to let the past like Paul said I'm a prisoner of Jesus so right now anyone in this room whether you're in the front wherever you are if you're holding bitterness or anger or malice anything in your heart you release it right now you give it to the Lord you are not a victim you are not no good or they did this to me or they hurt me or whatever it is no you are a Jesus Christ. You're a prisoner of him. He's got you exactly where he wants you. He's, he's in control no matter what happened to you. So, Lord, we proclaim our freedom right now in the name of Jesus. 
We proclaim our freedom right now in the name of Jesus. We proclaim our freedom right now in the name of Jesus. 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 We proclaim it in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We proclaim it. We proclaim it. We're free. We're prisoners of Jesus Christ. Not of our past. Not of the culture we grew up in. Not of the parents we had. We're free. We're free in the name of Jesus. We're free in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord. Right now, you're doing a work. You've been disconnected. One father and one son. You're just in two totally different places. But right now, in the name of Jesus, pray with me, saints. In the name of Jesus, by the Spirit of God. Oh, God, you said you would take a son like Timothy and make him a brother. You would pull them aside right next to each other in total agreement, hand in hand and arm in arm, in supernatural unity. God, in the name of Jesus, supernatural unity in Jesus' name. Supernatural unity in the name of Jesus. It does not come from man. It does not come from the works of man. It comes from God and God alone. It comes from God and God alone in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, you will make two one. It was a promise in the Garden of Eden. I will make two one. And that promise does not fail. Not one promise of the Lord will fail. He makes two into one for the glory of his name. And let it be in Jesus' name. Let it be in Jesus' name. We surrender to you as a church. We surrender to you individually. We surrender to you in our marriages, in our homes. Oh, God of heaven, let the word of God and the spirit of God fall into the work in us. Fall down on us, Lord. I thank you that we're leaving this place, Lord, and we're picking up the phone and we're calling people and we have a new, renewed sense. We will talk differently about the people. We will look at them differently. We're looking for unity, Lord. We're looking that you're going to do a mighty miracle, Lord, in the relationships that are broken and dysfunctional. Yes, you will. Yes, you can. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' mighty precious, wonderful name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on now, thank Him. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Come on, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. He does it better than we can. Where, where I end, and this is my field of study, right? I can't, I don't, I don't know what to do. He wants to come in and say, Daddy's going to lead you in how to do it. There's nothing he can't do. I'm getting that out of my vocabulary and out of my thinking, and I got to do it. You know, well, it's going to be what it's going to be. I'm, I'm trying to remove myself from that. God keeps bringing me back to stop talking like that, stop saying that. That's contrary to who I am. Amen. We love you. God bless you. Let's just lift our hands as we close. Thank you, Father. We surrender, God. We surrender, God. We surrender. Oh, it's glorious. It's wonderful. It's freeing. We throw up our hands and we feel the freedom of surrender to you, God. We thank you, Lord, from this day forward. Lord, you begin. The seasons are changing. The seasons are changing. And I say this by the Spirit of God. When Paul wrote the letter, nothing had changed yet. For the letter had not re reached Philemon yet. But God had spoken it. But God had proclaimed it. And it was done. 
It still had to travel in the, you know, the first century, slow, all the way to Philemon. And he had to read it. It wasn't an email or instant. But God had spoken it and it had already been done. Because when God says it, it is. And it is the same with you. God has said it. God has said it. And though it delays, it will surely come forth. For he is not a man that he can lie. You grab it and you hold it. It is, it is, it is. Because God says it. it is. In Jesus' name, we thank you. And everyone says, amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. If you need anything else, we'll be up here.